1: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi
0: everybody, welcome back to the Believe in Temple football podcast season two Episode 7, I'm AlScoop.com editor John DeCarlo, joined as always by former Temple quarterback and assistant coach Adam DeMichael, who's now running DeMichael Brothers Performance, training the next great players out in the Pittsburgh area. What's going on, buddy? How are you doing?
2: Hey, John. Thanks for the plug right there. Uh, it's been a little slow during in-season. Obviously, all the guys that we're working with are playing, but um, you know, I, I look at the end of the night stats. <clears throat> uh, last night, I went and watched my nephew play. They played Chargers Valley, mm-hmm. and they beat him. Um, it was a good game, so I'm training a couple of kids there, and then you know I just look at the stats for the quarterbacks, and I had like you know seven or eight kids with like it's just over 100 yards, you know what I mean? So I had like seven or eight kids that I was training over 100 yards, which is pretty cool to see, you know what I mean? They're just going out there and battling, and trying to compete for their teams, but like you know, man, uh, Western PA football, we had a great night. The weather was perfect. I know when I was watching uh, a little bit of the Phillies game, you could tell yeah. like the night was just just perfect. Now today's probably the best day. Like you talked about Western PA, I'm sure it's probably similar. But like today is the best day ever. I was just out there walking my dog, and I'm like, wow. You know, what I, mean? I hate playing in cold weather, but like this is perfect. The sun's out, the wind's blowing just enough. Yep. Um, but yeah, things are good, man. Um, obviously, things didn't go our way against UCF. It's funny because I got some friends on the 937, the fan here in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And they they were they were talking a little bit of trash or big pick guys. I said, and the only person in Pittsburgh watching the Temple game right now is, has a last name, DeMichael. <laughs> That's tough. It's like, man, I mean, yeah, but it's okay. I mean, you know, I've, you know, I, I, Wait, I is, know that we're door, get is it Doran Dickerson? Doran, Doran's, yeah, Doran's on the show, but Colin Dunlap's uh, another guy. He, he kind of like is the main guy there. He's the, mm-hmm. he's the head of it and, you know, kind of keeps things rolling, but he used to do a ton of articles and, you know, for, for the Trib, Tribune Review. And we used to, obviously, whenever I was in high school, how many yeah, times did Mike that,
0: White interview you from the post? A thousand,
2: report? but Mike White won't follow me on Twitter. I don't get it. It's like he's – uh, like we just want to have some beef. But those are the two guys that <laughs> – them two, Dunlap, Colin, uh, Colin Dunlap, Kevin Gorman, who is a big Pirates guy now, mm-hmm. and then Mike White. So those are the three guys. But, uh, yeah, I man, mean, it's you know. a great slate of football, though, today, man. I mean, I know Temple doesn't play, but I'm sure our fans will be watching a little bit. And the Phillies play again today? Better yes, off. they
0: played today. They could. They they could wrap things up against the Braves. Yeah. I think it's like a two p.m. start. But real quick, before we keep moving on to football, I mean, you were you were a very good baseball player. You were drafted by the Blue Jays. Who is Adam DeMichael a Pirates fan <laughs> or in today's Phillies Braves game?
2: No, you know I as much as um you know I like Acuna. I like a couple of them guys on the Braves, but like I mean I like Bryce Harper. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a I mean he's unreal talent. And then you watch you know, Schwarber and those guys and Nola and and you know I mean you're watching like Segura, like Neil Walker was on the Phillies mm-hmm. at one point. You know, I was obviously when I was at Still at Temple, so we were talking. Um, but I'm obviously looking forward to to seeing the uh the Phillies move on. I just don't I don't know, the Braves don't do it for me. Um I know they have I think in the next couple of years I think that's the team that's gonna you know, take over the National League. You know, they got guys locked up until like 2030. But I'm hoping the Phillies, you know, pull it out. It just, I don't know. It's just when you see the Phillies doing it the way they're doing it. And then obviously the Eagles are playing at a high level Mm -hmm. and NBA start. Like to me, the best month in the history of all sports is, uh, is right now in the middle of October, NBA is playing. Obviously NHL, the Flyers, I'm not a huge Flyers fan, but the NHL is starting up, started up. NBA is about to start. MLB playoffs are happening. You know what I mean? You're talking about the, the first half of the NFL season's over. You're right in the thick of things in college football. And then basketball starts, I guess, in like three weeks or whatnot in college basketball. So it really just doesn't get any better for uh, uh, a fan of sports than it is right now.
0: Yeah, everything's intersecting. God, the Flyers even won the other night. But I, I used to be a big NHL fan. I... I it, the class that I teach the sports training class at, at, that I teach at Temple. I told some of my students this probably isn't the best example. Is that I said if I had to cover an NHL game right now, I'd lose my job. I couldn't. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't help that the Flyers have been so bad. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Are, are Mario Lemieux and Yarmir Yager still playing for the, <laughs> the Penguins? Well, yeah, know?
2: we uh we laid the whooping on someone the other day. The Coyotes, I think six two. Sid scored. I think it was the first time he's ever scored the first goal of the season in an 18 year career or something like that. So the first goal of the, the Penguin season was scored by Crosby. Yeah. And, and that was I, the first time in his career that he's ever done that. I mean, I'm Which a Phillies
0: fan. I, I think I've told you this, like when we moved from, and this will, I promise to be my last story before we move on and talk about, well, I don't know how, how much people want to hear about this, this, yeah. summer, yeah. but when we moved from, we moved from Franklin park, PA, I, like I said, I would have gone to North Allegheny high school and my parents really became, attached to the area and uh we had like so so much outpouring of love from people in Pittsburgh when my dad passed and uh we moved to Downingtown and my dad like just became a fan of the Pirates when we lived out there and they were in the toilet when we were out there from 81 to 86 like 5,000 6,000 people at Three River Stadium but he stayed a fan of the Pirates and uh and I like I never like lost being a Phillies fan, but I, I started, I rooted hard for those pirate teams in the late eighties, early nineties. So I hate the Braves. Mm-hmm. As of like, you know, back then it was like NL East and West. And in 90, 91, 92, the pirates could not get past the 90 reds team that won the world series with Chris Sabo and all those guys. Wow. And in 91, 92, Steve Avery, Tom Glavin. Like, I just hated, hated the Braves. Dave justice he, on that team. Dave justice. That was
2: my, that was my favorite player. I went to a real quick, I went to a game one time. My uncle took me for my birthday. I was like first row in the third 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 baseline. I'm before the game on there early. And I have a ball and I'm like, Hey, sign my ball, blah blah And he just looked at me. My uncle just gave him every middle finger he had. Jeez. He didn't give it he didn't give me he wouldn't autograph my ball. He just looked at me like I was like uh, I don't know, like I was nothing. I just couldn't believe it. my favorite player just told me, you know, I'm not gonna sign the ball for you. And I'm like, dang. Mm. i've moved on from dave justice to gary Sheff- <laughs> to gary sheffield that was my favorite player throughout throughout uh my my youth
0: i was well, i mean were you a pirates fan growing up or were you just a really of, um like, best just players baseball.
2: yeah i was you know it's gonna sound strange again my father was like a big mickey mantle fan
0: mm-hmm.
2: like you know we're kind of a yankees kind of group so i yeah. kind of root for the yankees still mm-hmm. um but i don't really have a Legit, basically. I'm a, I am root for the Pirates and stuff. Don't get me wrong. I mean, we're in, we're on the big struggle bus. Yeah. But that's probably the one. I don't know. I'm not usually, like I, like I in basketball, I like Russell Westbrook, I don't really like a team. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So I'm at the at that stage. But I'm trying to figure out who my boys are going to, I'm going to push my boys towards liking. You know, I get them like a, well, since they've been born, I've got them each like a quarterback jersey mm-hmm. their first two years. So like last year, I got them Kyler Murray and my brother got him a Justin Herbert jersey. Mm-hmm. This year, I just got them a Kenny Pickett jersey and a Joe mm-hmm. Burrow jerseys. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to figure out who I'm going to push them towards and uh, kind of force their hand on the who they're, who they're going to root for because I don't want them rooting for the, like you mentioned, the Cincinnati Reds or the Baltimore Orioles or like the – um like my wife's a Giants fan. She keeps pushing him towards the Giants, but he keeps saying Steelers are my team. Steelers.
0: Like, my yeah. fantasy, my fantasy teams would greatly appreciate it. <laughs> Justin Herbert would start putting up better numbers. Yeah, and I got them. My, on one of my teams if, too. Yeah. And if my first round pick in both leagues, which was a mistake, Najee Harris getting this plate out of his oh. out of his shoe, maybe that'll help. But that no, I don't. Yeah.
2: Know. I don't know if gonna help this week here, but Tampa Bay in town.
0: Nah, no. Nah. Uh, anyway, be moving on to some other brighter news. Temple lost. to Thursday night on national television at UCF. I don't think it was a surprise that they lost. Um, How quickly the game got away. Kind of predictable. Before we uh, uh, move along here, and again, up next is a a home game next Friday uh, against Tulsa that's, that's, that's winnable. We'll talk a little bit more next week about Tulsa on next week's podcast. A reminder, as always, that the Believe in Temple Football podcast is brought to you buy bet online football is back and bet online remains your number one source for all of your football betting needs this season you'll find the latest odds matchup information player news and game trends and as you continue as your continued source for all sports wagering info bet online features live betting free contests live scores and giveaways all season long it's always the fastest and easiest way to, uh, to bet on all your favorite sports and events like the major league Major League Baseball, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's capital B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. BetOnline is where the game starts. So this, Adam, getting back to Thursday Night's loss, as we know, and we were on Twitter, um, you know, interacting with fans, watching the game. This was, you know, hard to believe or hard to remember. It feels like it's in the rearview mirror. Uh, this was once a 14 to 13 game at one point with 843 left in the second quarter. Uh, following that Camden Price 49 yard field goal uh, looked like it would have been good from like 55 or 60 yards. That's a bright spot. He looks like he's got a stronger leg right. than Rory Bell. And, uh, you know, I think when he kicked the one at Memphis uh, a few weeks ago, he kicked it into the wind. It looked like a weak kick. That looked like a strong kick. So maybe they've got, at least for the rest of the season, that spot shored up. But, you know, we know the deal by now. The 70 points were the most Temple's given up since the consecutive losses to the Bowling Green in 2004-2005. They gave up 70 points in those games. That was just before you got to Temple, before the Golden rebuild. The, the 728 yards of total offense Temple allowed was a program record. Uh, after it was a, a 14 13 game UCF ripped off those three touchdowns to take a, a 35 13 lead at halftime and you knew it didn't look good there because they were getting the ball to start the second half John Reese Plumley, you know he's an old Miss transfer he was putting up you know video game like numbers 18 of 22 passing 373 yards he ran for three more touchdowns uh EJ Warner Got into a rhythm early. He finished 24-43 passing for 234 yards and a touchdown. Most of his best stuff came early <laughs> in the game. I guess that's a bright spot. It's not like he was really padding his numbers. Late in the game, uh, there was another offensive line combination. Adam Klein was back at center. James Faminew, uh could not play. Uh, Bryce, Bryce Thoman didn't play, so it was um, Isaac Moore. And uh, Victor Stoffel at right tackle. I think we'll t- talk about him a little bit. I thought for the most part, he kind of held his own. Klein was at center. Uh, it's They're still struggling to move people. I don't think Wisdom Corsi had a particularly good game. Rich Rodriguez is in there. Um, bunch of questions for you to try to break this down. Again, it doesn't serve us I don't, or our listeners any any good to go play by play by play on this. It was a, play out, a blowout, excuse me. But it's more so how do they respond from this you know we know it's a rebuilding program Know it's a rebuilding team uh I'll start off with this you've you've been a part of losses like this a lot have, of
2: losses john <laughs>
0: you have seen you really have i mean it's why you're a good yeah. source of this you've been part of the good the bad and the ugly at, both as a player and as a coach uh how do you move on from this as a player uh and before i get to i want to ask you how you move on as a coach and as a recruiter too because there's more to talk about there again what we we talked about it. anybody who knows your history you were playing behind before you played behind some good offensive lines. You played behind some offensive lines where I can still vividly remember, you know, covering you guys. I think it was no six where you're you guys couldn't get past midfield against Penn State. And it was just a clear talent gap. And but eventually you guys chipped away and chipped away and you built and built and got better. And you guys really set the foundation. But when you get it handed to you like that, there's no other way. 70 to 13 loss. It's embarrassing. It's on national TV. Even if, even if the coaches know okay this is part of a story it's a chapter in a story we're rebuilding and maybe some of the veteran players know it but it it hurts nonetheless you've been through it how do you how do you move on as a player from a loss like this
2: yeah it's um it's difficult um I think I was just saw a stat that said this was the third most watched Thursday night game and Last year or something in college football or something. Like that. So there's a lot of people, a lot of friends, yeah. a lot of family, a lot of classmates, a lot of teachers, a lot of people that are out there, you know, watching you and wanting you to perform at a high level. I mean, Kevin Nagani was talking before the game about Temple with an upset. And, you know, so there's people watching, you know what I mean? And yeah, to go out there and <clears throat> obviously we played really well early, which was nice to see. I just felt like the game was just too fast for us. Like things were just happening too fast. Like We'd scored too fast, you know what I mean? Like, as soon as they scored, I tweeted something like, "Can we hold them here?" And it's like they scored in fifty seconds. Yeah, like that's not the type of battle that you want to get into with UCF. Um, you yeah. know, but you know, to your point, I think there has to be, and again, with the new staff and and players that don't necessarily, because obviously there's a lot of new guys, a lot of guys that left, a lot of transfers that come in. I think there still has to be a form of trust I guess you could say that needs to be made needs to be had it's probably somewhat formed and it's probably not fully there even though you know you have coach Straighten and his guys talk about trust I remember you know we did a couple you know talks about him having the players trust him and the players need to trust each other and you know I mean that's not there yet like it's, it's only been how long you know what I'm saying it's not even a freaking full year um so you know you're hoping that there's enough trust where it's like hey guys this is the good, and, you know, there might be a meeting where it shows the good stuff, you know what I mean? Like, we've done those in the past. Like, watch this. 14-13 mark with eight minutes left in the second quarter. Look what we did to this team. Look how fast, look how smooth, look how, um, you know, I mean? our guys were flying around. Look at the energy on the sideline. And then next thing you know, you know you're down two touchdowns, and does that change? Like, what changed? You know, is it like – did the plays change? Like you saw me tweet something, John, about – Run the things that have worked. Like, why don't you go back to some of those things? They may have. Again, I don't know the exact schemes and stuff from the television view. But I think there has to be some form of trust as a player. Um, I think when you look back at some of the things that, you know, when, when we lost, I know there were some things in the locker room. You know, guys were trying to lead. Guys were trying to make sure that um, – Things didn't get out of hand. There weren't bickering back and forth. Like whose fault was it? Was it our fault? Was it the special teams coordinator's fault for this? Was it the OC can't call this? We can't run the ball. The online can't get like there can't be locker room lawyers. You know what I mean? That thing is yeah. never going to be good for you. Um, so you hope hope that some of the leaders on the team are kind of just making sure have an open ear and making sure that things aren't said so that the young guys don't kind of feed into that. Um, so there has to be some form of trust. And you just got to get back to work and get back to work quickly. Uh, if it were me, I'll tell you right dang now, like I'd be at practice the next day. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, I'm not sitting there letting them think about what happened the night before. We're doing something on Friday and then we're doing something on Saturday. You might get Sunday off on the Lord's Day. but <laughs> We're getting back to work and this is going to be out of our minds. And that's just my thought process. There, you know, the other side would be, hey, what? Let's go ahead and watch the tape. Let's talk about it. Let's figure out why it happened. You know, I mean, you could spend two or three days watching this dang thing and figure out all the stuff that, you know, we'll we'll talk about with the defense and, you know, the misfits and all that stuff. But it has to be some form of trust in the locker room has to just, you know, be on the same page, in my opinion.
0: And we'll play this clip here. And this is this is Adam Klein talking after Thursday night's game, uh, Nick Menta was down in Orlando covering the game for us for Al Scoop and Adam Klein. It was Adam Klein and, and Jordan McGee talking after the game briefly. And then we'll play a couple of Stan Drayton clips here in a few minutes. And Adam was asked, you know, essentially more or less. Yeah. How do you move on from this?
1: I mean, I think it's just take it one day at a time. You know, I think kind of, we
2: needed this just to, it's kind of just like a smack in the mouth where you're like, you know what, you got to reset our jaw, We did to go back to work and, you know, just take it one day at a time, take it one practice at a time, take it one meeting at a time. Don't be looking ahead to anything, anything like that. Cause you know, we still control our destiny and we just got to take it one day at a time, one game at a time, everything just one at a time.
0: So Adam is really, again, there's not much, I get it. Even as a reporter, like, you know, fans are after a game like this, they'll say, we want answers, get us answers. And I think fans want the players and the coaches to react and make them feel better so they can sleep easier at night. But You know, what Adam's saying there, like it's one meeting at a time, one thing at a time. It sounds cliche, but what else can you really do? Right. I don't expect Adam Klein to come out and say, no worries, everybody. We're going to rip off like five straight wins here. You, you know, Adam, you've been around him. Seems like he would be one of the guys, like you said, to try to hold that locker room together and saying like the finger pointing is not going to help us. If you want to go ahead and transfer, if you want to be here, you want to be here. Is he? I mean, it sound like might sound like an easy question, but is he one of the natural guys that's going to have to hold hold the locker room together for the
2: next week after a loss like this, where everybody's understandably upset? You would think so, yeah. I mean, the guy has been around a, uh, a really long time, has seen some some really good things uh, in his time here, and has seen some really really tough things, some some lows. And obviously, Thursday night's game was a low for him. And um, you know, it's probably I hate to use this word, I saw a lot of people use it in our in our chat, and our Facebook groups, like embarrassing. like It's just such a, I don't know, just a toxic word to me. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, no S-H-I-T, no crap. Like we get it. The players understand that it was an embarrassing loss. Like you don't have to keep, you know, throwing that out there. Mm -hmm. Like we get it. Um, I remember we used to just get tortured and tortured. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? When we would lose like that. So, I mean, to have someone like Adam, I mean, obviously – he says the right things. Um, You know, he's around coaches that say the right things, and you know, you got to take it one one day at a time, and you know, I mean, one practice at a time. And it just, I don't want to say get back to the basics, but it's like, okay, this is the reality. Like, that's a really good team. They're five and one. They're gonna play, and I mean, I don't know when. when I mean, they're going into a bigger conference. You know, what I mean, they're they have a. I mean, their quarterback is the real deal. Like, I I hated him. I hated him watching that game. I literally hated him. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he's the real deal. Mm-hmm. Like, He was. I was like can he can he can he pass can he throw the football and he he proved me wrong that day so it's like mm-hmm. okay so you know I mean that that's the guy that you probably want to speak and I, hopefully you know his words are just carrying over to the rest of the team and coming down from the you know from coach Drayton down
0: and so Nick asked asked Stan Drayton you know about when you're running the ball and again uh, yet again it, it, I, we we've we've talked about it over and over again, Temple just has not been able to run the ball. We saw a couple of cracks here and there where they popped off a couple of runs, but, but not much, you know, just, they just couldn't just couldn't run it again. Thursday night, Nick asked Stan, you know, it, what is it? Is it the line? Is it a little bit of everything? And, and Stan, you can hear him here in this clip. And he, I think he, he, starts to evolve more into talking about like establishing a mindset. And I think you'll hear here, uh, I think when, again, like a reporter like myself, it's our job to get quotes, get answers and stuff like that. But you're also mindful of the fact that these guys are kind of trying to workshop things a little bit and not say too much or too little. And you hear Stan talk about, yeah, I mean, like kind of trying to workshop this quote. He knows they lost. He knows they lost badly. He probably doesn't want to string anybody out too much. But he starts talking about yeah it's probably a little bit of everything but then he talks about establishing this mindset so we'll play this clip for you here
2: Stan, is that how you sort of evaluate the struggles to to gain yards on the ground is that a product of offensive line changing around scheme all of it
1: yeah i'm sure that has a a lot to do with it quite honestly you know um, fighting through some some setbacks from an injury standpoint and again you know i'm going to always justify these comments because again i am trying to create a mindset this is, this is Temple University, and um, we, we need to learn how to overcome adversity. We need to be able to deal with the hand that's dealt with us at all times and not find excuses for not getting the job that we're capable of getting done. You know, and we're gonna fight through these setbacks, and you know, it has gotta be a next man up that has prepared himself for the moment that is going to execute and put ourselves in position to win, and um, I think that you know once this program gets to the point where we're winning on a consistent basis everybody's going to appreciate that mindset you know but we got to grow and, and, and become that and it's going to take some work and it's going to take some time um, but I am confident in these young men that they are capable all right so we're just going to keep pushing them as a coaching staff and and challenge them to be better versions of themselves and and whatever it takes you know is, is it. You know, putting more time and investment in, you know, studying the game a little bit more, holding each other more accountable, Wh- whatever it is, we're going to figure it out, and we're going to hold ourselves to a high standard.
0: All right, another thing I wanted to ask you about, Adam, too. I mean, again, anybody with a, a set of eyes could could see that, like, UCF speed was obviously a problem. And look, they they recruit, they recruit well. They get we know how much of a, a hot bit of talent Florida is. Um, they get good players down there, and then they get. They get good players out of the portal, which I think they're really positioned well heading into the Big 12. You know, they've got the stadium down there, they've got the facilities. Uh, you know, they you look at a guy like Kobe Hudson out of Auburn, an Auburn transfer, he had two touchdowns. You see how fast he is, and then their speed on the edge was just was just a problem too. So in this clip, Stan Drayton is saying, "Speed or no speed, are misfits in defending the run." were a problem i want to play this this clip and then and then have you react to it
1: well again yeah the, the speed is always going to be tough to handle when you're misfitting you're not doing your job i mean that's always going to be the issue i mean speed or no speed we need guys to fit the gaps uh properly in the run game and uh whether it be inside run outside run again we were having troubles um, just doing what we were coached to do in those situations. Our coaches were having a tough time getting players where they, you know, within the scheme is supposed to be. And those are the things that we have to address. Um, it's not like they did anything different from a scheme standpoint. Um, yes, they're fast, but uh, you still got counter. You still got inside zone. These are plays that we've been fitting the right way um, all season long. So it's, it's concerning. Um As to why we didn't do a good job of fitting those those plays today, you know. Now let's give credit to UCF; they came to play. I mean, they, you know, those running backs um, did not misread when we misfit. I mean, they hit it and took advantage of those opportunities, and got to give credit to them.
0: So, Adam, again, you've been you've been on both ends of this. You've been you've been a player when things are just. I'm sure as a player, you look around and you might think we're just not we're just not good enough in certain spots and then as a as a coach you look around and say we're not we need to recruit to this position we need depth here we need immediate help here no matter how much we scheme things up i i, I mean i think this is part of what fans want to know how much of that when stan is saying speed or no speed like we're misfitting runs and that's hurting us how much of that is is real and true and how much of that is stan kind of just protecting his players because he knows they're just you know, I, I think Jordan McGee can play. Leighton Jordan can play. They've got some guys on that defense that can play. There's no question. But how much of that is just him kind of protecting his players because he knows that just they're just not good enough yet?
2: Yeah, I think it's a and and I don't want to say sad to say, but it's probably a mixture of a little bit of everything that you mentioned. Like I watched um a couple of clips. They showed some some replays and, and Jordan McGee is probably one of the the best athletes we have on the team. Mm-hmm. You know, fit can run. And you just seen him just he was tired yeah that's what happens when you play a team like that and you you know what i mean your defense is on the field a ton you know what i mean ucf eight for nine on third down i mean you saw me tweet about it john i mean it's like you have to find ways i mean that was one of my keys of the game to have them have some third three and outs like we had that one three and out i was like holy cow this is the greatest thing ever (laughs) like that's the only way that you're gonna be able to beat a team like ucf that and i met. no we talked off off air about, you know, trying to find some ways to get some turnovers. And we, we did neither of those, you know what I mean? Third downs, they stayed on the field and then we didn't get no turnovers. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
2: And when you're talking about things of, you know, Stan and I, again, I tweeted during our little live tweet session we had, like they, those guys were running, you know, just, like, just imagine it, you know, guy, you saw it guys in motion one way, holders are going the opposite way. And these dudes are, they have a big, right? you, yeah, you, yep. you know what I mean? you, you're out there and, and yeah you have a job you know when you're tired things change things change really quick I mean yeah. you see one guy pull and they're bringing another pull the opposite way like there's counter scheme gap schemes they're running inside they're running outside they're running quarterback counter you know what I mean they they just have so many different weapons and they play at such a high speed and at a high tempo that you can only make so many certain calls mm-hmm. Um, you know defensively you know I don't know if You know, Coach Elliott and, you know, were able to to do everything they wanted to do defensively because of how fast they were going. You know, when you play play fast, it's almost like, okay, what can the defense do? There's either two options, right? Like you go to a base coverage, a base defense where it's like, okay, you can do this, or you just blitz everybody. And Mm -hmm. then if you do start blitzing stuff, you know what I mean, there's gaps that open up. Um, And then they were still doing the same things they used to do when we played them, you know, spreading the wide receivers out wide and making Leighton Jordan go cover a guy. And then Mm -hmm. not allowing him to rush a passer or or do some things of that nature. It was almost like, you know, and I know he jumped off sides once or twice, but Mm -hmm. he wasn't as disruptive. You know, he made a couple plays in the backfield, which was nice, but there wasn't a guy on the defensive side of the ball that you could say, okay, this dude disrupted the game, Mm -hmm. but this guy changed the game. So I think there was a mix of the both of both of those things. I think offensively, they do a lot of things very quickly and they do it at a high level um, with a lot of smoke and mirror. And then I think there's obviously and – and guys, listeners, we get it. I've been saying this for the last 10 years. We need to get faster. Okay, that's that's a given. I mean, we're, we'll keep – you have to just keep recruiting at a high level mm-hmm. and finding guys that – like, you You want a fast guy that can just run fast They can't play football. Or, you know what I mean, the, the guys that can run fast and play football at a high level with good football IQ and are physical. and I mean, they're going to the bigger schools right now. Yeah. So you're going to have to find guys like – I can't even give you names right now at the top of my head, but that all comes with it. And, well, Jordan
0: mean. McGee's an example, right, Adam? I mean, like, like Honestly, absolutely. yeah, I mean, like, uh, um, and look, I mean, I'm not saying that like Delaware is this completely forgotten territory for high school football, but it's not the hotbed. But you guys, you see a guy like Jordan and I mean, I think he's a, a, um, a classic example. I don't, I don't know if he has a pro future yet, but he might have a shot. I mean, like he's, I mean, he was a good athlete play quarterback down there. I mean, I, I kind of feel like if, if this is another thing I wanted to run by you, it might sound like the obvious question to get back to where temple was before. Don't you have to just, you keep doing the same thing, which is like, get guys into camps, evaluate them. Like you said, like a, a guy that is height, weight, speed, perfectly about as finished product as you can be in high school. That kid's going to have, you know, that kid's going to have LSU, Alabama, like he's, he's just right. not coming to Temple. And I'm not saying that to, to downgrade Temple, but you get the Leighton Jordans, you you're, you you're watch him play basketball and you say, this kid's an athlete. If we can coach him up, he's got the speed. We need the strength we need. And now you see where Leighton Jordan is now, a Jordan McGee, you know, all these oh, Matt Hennessey, you, you get, you, you know, the deal you you've seen it. I, they just have to. They're not. I, I think a couple of those those seasons with the pandemic and what happened with Rod really kind of set things back. And you can see again. I think UCF is really, really positioned. But you just you need more Leighton Jordans. You need more Jordan McGees. You need more, you know, quan Jarrett's. These guys who you just trust the tape and you bring a kid into camp, right?
2: Absolutely. I mean, that's kind of. And I'm I'm very curious to see how. And I've been around coaches like. You know, you, a coach comes in and says, hey, these aren't my guys. I didn't recruit them. That's easy. That's an easy out. Right. I've been around three staffs that have all said those things. So, I'm not saying Stan's saying, hey, these aren't our guys right now. But, like, mm-hmm. all right, you're going to have a chance to go out there and recruit. You're going to have – now he has, um, you know, Christmas morning now with, with the transfer portal. So, mm-hmm. I remember I had to do a project where anybody that I had a relationship with in the past on any of these teams, Syracuse's, you know what I mean, NC State's. Boston College who do who have you had relationships with in recruiting and I know those guys were going to keep a tab on in case you know they weren't happy you know when we are recruiting their their school hate coach you know just checking in on Devin Leary for instance yeah you know what I mean there was a chance that before he left that he might you know he hadn't make a move cuz you know he wasn't playing obviously yeah. he's done some good things in the last 2 years but yeah. that was a uh some you know something that we had thought thought about cuz you know we recruited him at Temple so you know you have things like that you know you can't just pick anybody out of the portal you have have to have someone you know you did did your research on like I know we didn't have the portal then but you know Chris Kirkwood was I mean Chris Kirkwood that's funny (laughs) Keith Kirkwood my one of my favorite all-time players coaching so sorry Keith I just talked to him the other day but another guy before the portal happened you know a hand coached him at Hawaii and you know he had a relationship with you know his coaches at Neptune and we found a way to get him here so I think that's going to be a big deal and you know just getting guys on campus and I mean, no matter what, uh, you know, 70 to thirteen. You know, I mean, if we lost fourteen to thirteen, it's still a loss. And you know, you could when you're on the road wearing the T on, you know, this week, it's like, yeah, if people saw you the loss, and you know, you could talk about it, but, um, you know, what I mean, you're still gonna have to just dig deep and 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 battle in recruiting and find the guys that you know you want to be on your team and want to be part of uh, Temple football.
0: And to get back to and that kind of takes us back nicely into the what I was talking about before. Now, I want to ask you as a coach and as a recruiter, when you get back out on the road, because I would I would have to imagine that at least a few of the guys on the staff are right back out on the road and visiting the, the current verbal commitments, going after new guys. As a recruiter, as a guy, and again, you've been in this position before, maybe not this specific exact score, your team plays on – not on ESPN, not ESPNU, not ESPN plus ESPN. Scott Van Pelt is going through your, your highlights right after the game. You've lost 70 to 13. You, Adam, the Michael have been in this position before again, not that specific score. You go out there as a recruiter. Is it as simple as like, is the message when you go out there and whether you're keeping your current verbals engaged or you're talking to new players and new coaches, is it as simple as like, do you go out there and say, Hey, we're not proud of that. You saw what happened, but conversely, you see how much we need you. And if you come here and you do what you need to do, you can play right away. You can see that we need you. Is this is it as simple as that when you're hitting the recruiting trail?
2: I think you got probably two options. Um, I mean, you're going to go in there confident as a coach, and you know, proud as a coach to to represent the place that you know you're coaching and, and the kids that you're coaching first and foremost, and wearing it, that tee proudly. And then I think you're either going to go in there and say, "Hey, listen, I know you watched the game. It's a tough one for us." You know, it was 14, 13. Our guys were digging, our guys were fighting, and, and you know, just kind of slipped away. It's like, okay, this is why we need you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, this is why we're recruiting you. Mm-hmm. I think you have the opportunity to get us over the hump. I think you have the opportunity to come in and compete. I think you have the opportunity to come in and help us get to where we need to get to. I mean, those are the things that you could say. Those are the things that probably have to have to be said, especially if, you know, the kids ask questions like, you know, I remember I think I was in a, in a room and some kid was like, man, you guys just got smacked last night. I'm like, huh? Oh. I mean, you ain't lying, buddy. But uh, you know, it's one of those things where, like, we're you know, we're close. You know, you you're not gonna lie to the kid, but it's like, hey, right. listen, we're close. We feel that we're close. We feel like you know we're on the up and up. We have a good group of kids. We're young. You know, we're hungry. Our coaches are energetic. You saw the sidelines. You saw, yeah. You know, when when things were going good, we got it. You know, we're good. You now we just have to you know continue to build and and find the right fit. And I think that you know you're part of that.
0: Yeah. So. Again, if you're, if you're a fan of, if you're a, a recruiting junkie, you keep an eye on these names of players that Temple has verbal commitments from like Luke Watson down or Delaware, Cole Skinner, at, at Point Pleasant bro and, and uh, up in central Jersey, a, a big kid. Uh, rivals has him listed at six, five, 300. I think he's a little bit bigger than that. Now. Uh, Eric King up in North Jersey, Kevin Terry down in Clearwater. Uh, but those are guys that, you know, that the Chris Weeds is going to have to work with in the future and, Adam, you know this well. I mean, yes, you can have guys that come in and play as true freshmen, like current guys, like Isaac, Isaac Moore, Adam Klein, Matt Hennessy's of the world, but often that's very much a developmental position, but that's a big area where, you know, they've got their, they've got their, uh, they've got their work cut out for them. Uh, before I get over to EJ and talking a little bit about Quincy Patterson, what, what did you think of the 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 offensive line, again, might sound like you know, our listeners might say, John, they lost 70 to 13. Like, why are you breaking down the offensive line? But another combination, Bryce Thoman didn't make the trip. Um, James Famineu didn't make the trip. So Adam Klein is back at center. Again, I thought I thought Wisdom Korshi, I'm not watching film like the coaches are, but there were a couple of plays even just rewinding it. On TV, you could say, oh, he missed something here, missed something there. I, I thought Victor Stoffel, being healthy, being out there at right tackle, I think he's a a possibility for them. I, I think if you can – this is just my opinion as a guy who is covering the game but hasn't hasn't played it. I'd imagine that no one on that line is better positioned to, to look at blitzes and pick up blitzes than Adam Klein. I think he can play right tackle, but maybe he's better off at center. And if you can develop something with Victor at right tackle – you might have something. Again, it might sound silly to say it in a blowout loss, but what did, what did you think of the line that they put out there?
2: Yeah, it was um I was impressed with how they pass blocked. I know um, you know, you put them in spit situations, some quick game things early on. But you know, first play was a play action. I know you kept a couple guys in the help, but I thought, you know, they helped EJ, I think, with his confidence early on. I think you saw that in those first couple of drives, obviously scoring a few touchdowns or and then just just allowing him to get in kind of a groove and, you know, be confident, not having to, again, rush things and, you know, I mean throw off his back foot or throw when he wasn't ready. Um, I think the run game is still a work in progress. But I mean, I did some 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 research a little bit ago and we haven't been able to run the ball. I mean, I'm talking 2017. We were 99th, 2018, 83rd, 2019, 98th, 2020, 87th, 117th. Last year, we're 127th rushing. So it's, it's yeah. not like it's anything new. Like, we haven't been yeah. able to run the ball since – in my entire time at Temple. You know, we did some things mm-hmm. with Raquel. We did some things with Jahad. A few – I haven't mm-hmm. gone back that far into that era when, you know, we, we had some – you know, we won, when we won the AAC. Um, But it's tough to run the football. Um, I think yeah. that's when you, when you talk – you hear Stan, you know, it's a mindset with the running backs. You, you know, he's obviously talking about everybody. And you have to be able to win – and it's just something you just have to keep pushing. I know, you know, we and those guys are just continuing to push and continue to try to get better. Um, But past game wise, it was, it was solid. I know EJ got out of the pocket a little bit and mm-hmm. I don't think there were many times where he was, you know, a little a little frazzled or a little rattled at all. So that was good to see. Um, I don't know. I mean, if, if, if we came way healthy from that game up front, is just the, the group that you put out there next week or, I mean, I'm again, we're not sitting in those meetings. so I don't know how, mm-hmm. you know, those five guys are chosen or, mm-hmm. you know, is it, a weekly thing is it you know academics. This guy's not coming because he's hurt. He's sick. Academic, you know, he got beat out. Tough week of practice. All those things go into it, but you know, I mean, you'd love to be better. I think everyone would want to be better than you know we played um so far this year and up front. Mm-hmm. But those guys aren't going to stop working, and they're not going to stop being coached at a, at a high level.
0: Mm-hmm. How would you evaluate EJ's performance? Again, it looked like they got. They, they're going to have to be a sounds like an NFL mentality. You're going to have to pass to pass to get ahead and then run to try to run out the clock. They're not positioned to run to run out the clock, or maybe they could be in coming weeks, maybe against a team like Tulsa or a team like Navy. But uh, I thought there were some things to like from EJ's performance early on. And some of the same themes, he, he doesn't seem to panic. He goes through his progressions. Uh, But again, I mean, what can you do when you you can't, you're just, you're playing a team like UCF and you can't, you know, you can't, can't stop him on third down but aside
2: from that what did you think of how EJ played well again we talked already earlier I thought he had an elite start it was it was highly impressive um I thought that you know he gave his guys chances to win you know a couple deep balls he threw out of bounds Um, Mm -hmm. I think that if you go back I wish he would have you know at least given his guys a chance to go ahead and make a play for him I think those things are just just come with time and and, again, he could be sitting here telling me, like, hey, listen, I thought I was throwing that one out of bounds. I didn't think he had a beat. But then you come back and he's throwing a back shoulder to Jose Barbone, which was perfectly placed, mm-hmm. you know, elite ball. Um, you know, he got outside the pocket uh, to, to throw, and I think that's a that's a strange trait, you know, a, a cool trait, a great trait, or whatever kind of trait you want to be. It's like some guys get out of the pocket and run like the kid last, you know, like the kid he was going against. Um, but then there's guys like EJ who move outside and inside of the pocket I think his awareness is elite. Um, there's They were playing, you know, cover zero blitz and guys coming free. And, you know, he was sticking his – he was sticking balls in different areas. You know, you wish yeah. you had that one back to Jose on the, the, the under route. And mm-hmm. on that first drive when we kicked the field goal, could just put it on his face would have been, you know, a chance to, for him to, to break free and maybe score if he puts it on him or at least, you know, it's completion. But, you know, his kid looks fearless, and I think that's a great quality. Um, but I think he still has a long way to go. I think the com- competitive side of him, and um, you know, he just allows him. He got a little bit of I can't say Kenny Pickett, but he has a, he throws a catchable football. Yeah, Kenny Pickett, Kenny Pickett throws a catchable football. It's not too hard. It looks like I mentioned a couple a couple shows ago how it looks like it's really just soft, and it's probably not like that when you're catching with him. But that's kind of how Kenny throws too. Everyone thinks you know he doesn't have elite arm strength, but you know, I mean, there's times where he goes goes and you know lays one in there. So I'll be interested again to see how he comes back from this. I know they are rotating quarterbacks a couple times. That might've threw him off. I told you that one drive. Yeah. Why is he, why is Quincy in the game right now? I didn't understand it, but and we're not in the meeting. So.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing I wanted to get to before we get to, to uh, like a three part uh, mailbag question we have here to close things out. Again, I can't say in any way, shape or form that this would have been the difference in the game. The game was what it was. But last Monday, actually one of my AlScoop reporters, Max Denenberg, had asked Stan Drayton about the usage of, of Quincy Patterson. And I get it. I mean, I think anybody can see they're trying to use Quincy to just break something through in the run game. If if you can't, if you can't get those yards with Darvon Hubbard, if you can't get him with Ed Sadie, if you can't get him with Jakari Norwood, if you can't get him with Trey Blair and the opportunities he gets, regardless of whether it's the backs not finding holes, if they're not running through contact, if it's the line, whatever. I get that they're trying to make something happen there. They're they're not idiots. They know that you need to be able to run the ball to try to sustain drives, take pressure off your freshman quarterback. But Max asked him, like, how is there a way to make things less predictable? And Stan acknowledged it and said, yeah, you know, he, he said he's got an arm now and he can throw it. But it looked like the same thing that you just talked about. It's, you know, first down, second down, run, run third and 10 EJ get back out there third and 12 make something happen that's a tough spot for for any quarterback how do you work around that I mean do you literally have to maybe next Friday Adam commit to saying we are going to if we want to still try to use Quincy Patterson in some way shape or form and you know these these running backs are not going to magically turn into Saquon Barkley and our offensive line is not going to magically turn into you know Jordan Myelot and and and, uh, you know, and, and, and these like elite NFL linemen, do you need to, do you need to say, okay, the next time we get Quincy Patterson out there, we're going to drop him back to give teams the, it's some sort of impression that he can throw it. Like, how do you work around that? Because it has, it has become predictable. And again, I'm not saying that better usage of Quincy Patterson nets them a win. It w- wasn't going to happen, but it is, like you said, there were, there were a couple of times where you think, yeah, what's the goal here? Because it is getting, it is getting EJ Warner out of rhythm.
2: Yeah, I think that just the one time that they brought him in for the beginning of the series just confused me because they were they were doing some good things offensively. And I just, like I mentioned to someone in the Facebook chat, they were just furious. They're like, why is he in the game? And I'm like, well, there's times where it's like, okay, the fourth series, Quincy's going in. And just imagine, John, we had times where I think it was like, um, I don't remember who, it might have been like Frank and, Frank and Newtown and Russo were playing. And it's like Toddy's coming in the third series. And we scored two touchdowns in the first two series with mm-hmm. those quarterbacks. Now, are you going to bring Toddy Santeo in right now? Okay, this is our plan from day one. But these guys are hot. Are you going to bring this guy in? And sometimes that's the case. You know what I mean? It's like this is the plan, and we're sticking to it. And they bring him in. I have no issue at all on third and short, on fourth and short, to bring the dude in the game and run the football. I don't care if they know it's coming. it might be one where you sneak him out on the naked or something like that to throw the football. But... I have no issue with that. Now, if you're bringing him in to start series, I think you're going to have to run the similar offense to what you're doing with 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 uh, EJ, or at least mm-hmm. have some some form of pass game in where he can you know let it loose a little bit. Especially if you're bringing him in in the beginning of drives. If not, teams can just go ahead and you know stack the box and um, you know what I mean, and just say, okay, you're going to run it. We're going to put nine guys in the box. Mm-hmm. But again, I think at the end of the day. If nobody sees him throw the football, no one believes that he can throw the football, and that just makes it easy on the defense so um third and short, fourth, and short, I let him run the ball all the time you know I mean he's a downhill guy, he's physical, and then you know if you're talking about beginning of drives and things that get e j out of rhythm, i mean especially if he's hot i i'm I'm not on the same page of that, but I mean those guys have a plan um I'm sure. You know what I mean? If they can just, you know what I mean, just smoothing it out a little bit, you know what I mean? For us, I think it a make things a little easier. Uh, I think this week, I'm sure if he goes out there, I, I would imagine, I would bet, I would bet my, I don't know what I'd bet because I'm not getting paid by Temple anymore. I can't say my next paycheck for Temple, but uh, yeah. I would bet that he throws a pass the next game if he's in there for, for a series. Yeah.
0: Um, and again, next Friday's game, again, like I said earlier in the podcast, we'll talk a little bit more next week in, in previewing, next Friday's game against Tulsa again, Tulsa's two and four. Now they're coming off a 53 to 21 loss to Navy last Saturday. So could be a good bounce back game. Again, there are no guarantees. And I'm certainly not trying to make, uh, make temple sound like one of the elite teams in the country, but that's a, that's potentially winnable game next week. We'll have more on that next week's episode. I want to close things out with a mailbag question here, a three-parter from uh, one of our listeners uh, is now scoop subscriber as well. Mike Greenspan sent us over this, this mailbag question. First one is this EJ Warner. Started off the game moving the team with confidence. What was the key factor leading to his struggles after the first quarter? I think we kind of touched on some of this just now, but what what would you say to that one, Adam?
2: I think, um, you know, when the game's close, you know, 14, 13 in that range, you know, you you know that what's being called has worked, what's being called, you know, you just kind of run it. When you start getting down three touchdowns, I'm not saying EJ pressed a little bit, but you see incompletion, incompletion, incompletion. You know what I mean? It might be some one of those things. You know, I'm just mentally, it's like, okay, I have to do this more, or I have to throw the ball and try to score touchdowns because I've been in that mode. You know, I remember I had to tell mm-hmm. Russo one yeah. time, I'm like, Bruce, just relax. You know, we're, it's 48 to 45, mm-hmm. and we can't stop them. I know that I have to put touchdowns on the board. I'm going to go ahead and force one down the field instead of just going through my reads and, you know, my progressions. So it could be something like that. Um, I know when you get down, could be, you know, the defense locked in a little bit. You know what I mean? They, they knew what we were doing. You know what I mean? They had a, you know, a good game plan, obviously, for us. You know, I mean, after those first couple of drives, things kind of slowed down for us. It's like I mentioned on Twitter, what can we do more of? Like, we, we ran out of gas, you know what I mean, offensively. We didn't have enough scoring plays. We didn't have enough of those trick plays, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. I think that could be part of it.
0: Yeah. Uh, second part of his question here and we just talked about this a few minutes ago, EJ passed up the opportunity to scramble when he had an open field in front of him. He completed a pass instead. Do you think he has been instructed not to run the ball?
2: I would think, I would think not. I don't think, you know, you ever tell your your guy not to run it. Um, I think he's a, you know, scrambler looking to throw and not looking to run first, mm-hmm. which is cool. I think if it was fourth and three and, you know what I mean, he needs to get a first down he scrambles and there's a, pile on or there's the, the stick right, stick marker right there i would imagine that he goes and tries to get that with his feet um obviously we haven't had to see it enough or it just hasn't come coming to play for us right now but the biggest plays, like the first trick play of every game is a scramble so you know what i mean you would just allow him to continue to make plays outside the pocket and with his eyes downfield and hopefully our guys can get in some scramble mode and hit a couple of long ones down the field for us to again to to, to get some big plays on the board
0: one of the one of the uh interesting things was watching you know lewis riddick do that game as a color commentator and you have a, a pretty a pretty sound nfl mind there um watching the game and and you know he saw what we saw but he was really impressed with ej and i remember him liking that play and saying hey a lot of guys look to run there and he literally almost looked at the line of scrimmage like it's the barrier that it was and knew exactly where it was and was like i'm going to be committed to throwing here so Again, I don't think anybody thought that EJ was going to be a scrambler coming out of high school. Maybe he adds a little bit of more muscle. I don't know. You kind of are what you are at some point, right? I don't know if he's going to become this dual threat quarterback at any point, but kind of looked impressive there. Maybe he could have gotten to the sticks, but got the first down mm-hmm. first Absolutely. down on the ball. Uh, and the third part of the question here. Lastly, Adam, did you ever forgive Travis Shelton for dropping the long pass you threw to him in the pouring rain against UConn at the Lincoln 2008?
2: I remember that play like it was yesterday. I do, too. Um, I remember covering that game. Yeah, we ran like a smash concept, like a hitch on the outside in the corner by Travis, but we called it like, um, it was a smash and go. We might have called it like scissors or skeleton or something like that, where Travis runs 10 yards, four steps to the corner, sticks his foot in the ground, you know what I mean, takes off. I kind of sprinted out, you know, we blocked it up where I could set up, but it was like my... It might have been like my second uniform change of the night. It was the <laughs> rainiest day I've ever played in. I hate throwing a wet football in practice. I hate throwing a wet football, in, but you know when you're when I get into the game, it like never fazed me. Like not one time in my career did I say, "Oh man, the ball is wet." One well, in game, mm-hmm. I would always complain. It would always be in the back of my mind, like, "Oh, this this these crazy managers didn't wipe the ball off. This ref this ref's a dummy. He won't <laughs> wipe the ball up, or he won't put a towel over it while." you know what I mean while we're getting a play in. So yeah. I would always be mentally, you know what I mean, messing with myself up here. But remember I just rolled out and launched it. And then it was good. It was, you know, it was just it was a nice little ball. And then at the last possible minute it kind of just started spinning. You know what I mean? Like the rain mm-hmm. hit it sideways and and I think that's how kind of Travis kind of dropped it. But that was one of my better footballs in the rain in my career. <laughs> um but I don't, we lost that game too, huh? Yeah. Believe yeah, so. we did Donald Brown. Yeah, Donald Brown. Yeah. I think I remember scrambling and hit Steve Murray down the sideline. I think they might even it might have been like a a false holding call on Travis on a screen for a touchdown. It might have been right in overtime, and then mm-hmm. obviously we lost. But I will forgive him. Yeah, what the heck. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Ending the podcast this week on a, on a note of forgiveness sounds yeah. like, uh, <laughs> Well, thanks thanks everyone again for listening. We'll be back with you next week to preview friday night's temple tulsa game uh, keep the mailbag questions coming and uh we'll talk to you guys soon see you guys